Welcome to this week's episode of Business Wise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. I am probably a bigger fan of the titles of the Russian author Fyodor Dostoevsky than I am of his actual works, since I haven't really read them. But I know enough about them to appreciate his insight into human nature. I want to jump right into this episode by introducing a datum from Mr. Hubbard that I've always known to be true, but recently came across some data that explains why it is true, and that's what we're going to cover today. We're going to talk about punishment. (laughs) Workability of, and this datum is from an article from Mr. Hubbard entitled, You Can Be Right and dated 23 July 1963, wherein he states, quote, Getting the offender to admit his or her wrongness is to court further degradation and even unconsciousness or the destruction of a being. Therefore, the purpose of punishment is defeated and punishment has minimal workability. I'll run Hubbard. Haven't we all observed this? Has punishment in our prisons reduced crime in this country? Has punishing your child ever really kept him from repeating his or her, quote, offenses, end quote, or made them uh, more rebellious or more daring in their exploits? Think about it. I remember one time, you know, it's interesting, he talks about unconsciousness. I remember cutting loose on an employee one time. I was so mad, and uh, the person literally fainted. So I know what he's talking about to court further degradation and even unconsciousness. I've, I've actually seen it. Of course, the person doesn't have to faint for them to be going uh, more and more unconscious or to be less and less conscious, I guess is the best way you could describe it. You've probably had your own experience of threatening somebody or being antagonistic towards somebody or angry at somebody and sort of watch them checking out more or less. So, um, so anyway, so much for punishment. How valuable is quote, punishment in our society, in our families, or in our businesses. It, it has, as Mr. Hubbard says, minimal workability. It doubtless has its place in the handling of people and justice, but it can be easily overdone and almost always is. And Mr. Hubbard himself uh, expressed it this way. We actually covered this in an earlier episode on justice. We did three episodes on justice. And in his article, 24 February 1972, which is entitled Justice, he says, quote, the truth is man cannot really be trusted with, quote, punishment, end quote. With it, he does not really seek discipline. He reeks injustice. L. Ron Hubbard. So there are better answers, far better answers. Many of them have already been covered in earlier episodes on such subjects as hatting and training. But understanding the mechanics of why punishment does not work is very important and will greatly influence and improve your ability to build a real team to expand its effectiveness and be yourself a great leader. Uh, first, I want to take a look at the word punish. This is from an English dictionary. It says punish, uh, inflict a penalty as retribution for an offense, especially a transgression of a legal or moral code. So that's punish also means treat someone in an unfairly harsh way. 
The example they give here is uh, a rise in prescription charges would punish the poor. That's an example. It comes from Latin poena, which means penalty. Old French punir, punish. And uh, there you go. That's the derivation. Okay, so uh, that's one word we're going to look at, punish and punishment. Now let's look at a word used in the Hubbard Management System, overt act, O-V-E-R-T, overt act, or we often say overt for short, O-V-E-R-T. And this is an intentionally, per Mr. Hubbard, quote, intentionally committed harmful act committed in an effort to resolve a problem. That's from uh, a lecture, the 27th of October, 1964. It's a beautiful little definition. Intentionally committed harmful act committed in an effort to resolve a problem. You know, a guy's robbing a bank. He's trying to resolve a problem. He has no dough. So he's robbing a bank. You know, you see uh, some person uh, falsely report their statistics. And that's detrimental to the group, obviously, because now you're operating on the wrong condition. You don't really know what's going on. And they are doing that in an effort to resolve a problem. These are overts or overt acts. He also defines it as that thing which you do, which you aren't willing to have happen to you. That's from a lecture from the 14th of September, 1960. These are very good definitions that kind of give you a very clear and fast concept of what an overt act is. You know, if you don't like it when somebody uh, hangs up the phone on you. Stop calling me! In the middle of a conversation, then uh, probably if you hang the phone up on somebody else, you're probably, you're committing an overt. And uh, often you feel bad about it when you do something like that. So that's an overt. That's a pretty minor overt. There's bigger ones, obviously. Um, You can murder somebody, that's an overt. And that's definitely not something you want to experience. So... You know, there's a whole spectrum of overts, all right? Overt acts. It's just a handy term for an intentionally committed harmful act committed in an effort to resolve a problem or that thing which you do which you aren't willing to have happen to you. Those are called overts. Okay, so with that under our belt, uh, I'm going to go over an article with you now from Mr. Hubbard written on the 6th of June, 1969 and entitled Prediction and Consequences. Now, this is going to give you a lot of insight, very, very valuable insight, into all these, all the mechanics of this, so you really understand why punishment tends to beget more crime and doesn't really solve anything, particularly when it's abused. And this is something I've only recently stumbled across and uh, kind of blew my mind, so I wanted to share it with you. Mr. Arbert starts the article by saying, probably the reason overts of omission and commission, so understand something, uh, an overt can be something you didn't do, like, you know, you didn't pull the passenger out of the uh, uh, burning car that was in a car accident and you just, you know, you're too uh, afraid to do so. So you didn't help the person when you could have. That's called an overt of omission. Not something you want to have happen to you, right? And a commission would obviously be something you did, like uh, intentionally uh, breaking somebody's headlights because you're mad at them. Something like that. That would be a commission. So you've got two categories, in other words, omission and commission. So he says, probably the reason overts of omission and commission are done at all lies in man's inability or faulty ability to predict and to realize consequences. Like, you know, you catch an employee embezzling or, you know, goofing off during work time or uh, purposely 
rendering another employee, invalidating them to make them ineffective or whatever they're doing, right? And you look at that and you kind of go, hey, you know, don't you realize that if you keep this up, you're going to get fired? Or don't you realize you do this, I'm, you're going to go to jail? Or don't you get it? Like sometimes it's baffling to uh, some of us that somebody performs some kind of unbelievably stupid overt and you're kind of going, man, look at the risks. What were you thinking? Well, the point is they weren't thinking. They weren't able to predict and to realize consequences. So then Mr. Harper goes on to say this. He says, men are rather thoroughly stuck in the present and so involved with its confusions that they rarely foresee anything and are mainly oblivious to any consequences of their own actions or failures to act. This gives them the appearance of being stupid. So you're going, wow, they're not thinking very well into the future. No, they're not. Because their attention is all riveted either in the present or in the past. They don't have the facility to extend their attention into the future. So he goes on to describe it this way. The next paragraph, he says, when men become too confused to even stay in the present, they slide into the past and become, quote, psychotic, end quote, or at best, quote, neurotic, end quote. So that's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with a psychotic or a neurotic. Their attention is nowhere near out into the future. It's either riveted in the present or slipping way into the past. You know, riveted in the present is one thing. When it starts straying into the past, he says they become psychotic or at best neurotic. Then he goes on to say this. The Russian psychologist Pavlov was acceptable in Western universities and governments mainly because he dealt only in stimulus and response mechanisms. Men were animals, one trained like dancing bears. In other words, these subjects were political subjects aimed at control. There was no thought of healing anything. Quote, treatment, end quote, meant not heal or cure, but train by punishing, quote, bad, end quote, characteristics. It is interesting that neither subject ever listed any good characteristics. He's talking about psychiatry, psychology, right? He says, it is interesting that neither subject ever listed any good characteristics. A typical, quote, treatment, end quote, was to punish with electric shock a, quote, bad habit, end quote. They would give an alcoholic a taste of liquor and shock him so that he would feel the shock each time he thought of liquor. Uh, so that's from Mr. Hubbard. So what's happening then if you punish bad action? They are getting more and more stuck in the present and sliding into the past because they can't afford to look into the future because they are in a threatening, dangerous environment. Mr. Robert goes on to say this, and it's not just uh, in a business, it's also societal, not just in a family, not just in a business, not just, it's also a societal issue. He says, by making a totally confusing and violent environment and stripping the country of any constitutional safeguards, the security of the individual was undermined to a point where he had to be continually alert to immediate threat 
in his environment. So that's how, now we're talking 1969. Of course, that was a period of quite a bit of turmoil, but nothing compared to what's going on right now. Okay. And there, the person, because of the very, the violent and confusing environment, does the, the environment at all seem confusing and violent to you these days? I mean, to many of you, less than to others. I mean, it varies individual to individual, depending upon your level of confront and competence, of course. But, uh, and you're all, people listening to this uh, Business-Wise podcast very likely are a much higher level of competence. You're seeking to improve that competence level so you can deal with some of these issues. But for imagine uh, how perhaps the majority of society is perceiving what's going on right now. It's confusing. It's threatening. It's violent. And, of course, it's made even more so through the media. So Mr. Hubbard then goes on to say this, quote, This tended to pin people in close to present time. It inhibited any future, planning for the future, or any long-distance consequences in the future. Man, that guy ain't looking into the future. He's just looking at, oh my God, how do I avoid violence? How do I avoid pain? How do I avoid... And they're looking right now in their immediate environment. There's no planning in the future. You're starving to death. You're not thinking in the future. You pull out of a car wreck. You're not thinking, you're not planning your dream home. Okay. You're like, how do I survive this car wreck? You know, are you thinking in the future when your children are starving? Not very far. You're starving to death right now. You thinking in the future? Heck no. You know, your house is burning down. You thinking into the future? You think anything about taking that antique clock that you love so well and throwing it through a window so that you can make your escape, you're not looking into the future. You're looking at now. You're looking at what is going on right now. And the more punishment and duress the person has experienced, the more threat there is in their environment, the less they can afford to look into the future. And if they can't look into the future, then they can't predict and they cannot measure consequences. He goes on and says, uh, this is a quote from Mr. Hubbard, Thus, Russian mental, quote, treatment, end quote, Pavlov was from Russia, I mentioned that earlier. Thus, Russian mental, quote, treatment, end quote, imported into the West actually did prevent the people from being able to predict as they were continuously battered by government. Thus, crime rose to a fantastic level. It's hard to believe this was written in 69 and we look at what's going on right now. But this is Mr. Hubbard. Thus, crime rose to a fantastic level. The citizen pinned into insecurity in the present by outrageous economic, governmental, and social duress, became much less able to predict and therefore became oblivious of the consequences of his own acts. Most, quote, criminal, end quote, types are completely unable to predict and thus have no fear of any consequences, even when they are obvious to a more sane person. Aaron Hubbard, you go, what, what the devil are they up to? How in the heck would... What what got it? What gets into your head? What gets into their head is nothing gets into their head. They're not looking into the future. They're not predicting consequences because they are under duress. So, how does that apply to you? Well, is uh, threats? Is screaming at people, penalizing people? Is it uh, invalidating people? Is that punishment? Yes, it is. By the definitions that we cleared earlier, that's a form of punishment. So if you make it so uncomfortable, the interesting thing about this is that there is an apparency that it works. You know, I get angry at everybody and they all get into action. They all start doing stuff that can sometimes work to a limited extent. Like, you know, as Mr. Hubbard says, punishment has a minimal effectiveness. It has a minimal ability to assist in survival, 
in the correct place. It does, but it's minimal. So overdone, what happens? They don't want to get yelled at. They don't want anybody mad at them. They don't want to lose their job. They don't want to be fired. They don't want to be ridiculed. So therefore, they start thinking more and more and more in either right now, present time, they're not looking, they're, all they're looking at is immediate threat. All they're looking at is how do I get through the day? How do I get through the week? How do I keep my job? Right? I will tell them I close the deal for $100,000 that is nowhere near closed. And hopefully I will make it right in the next week or two. Meanwhile, that buys me a little bit of time because now they're going to not going to yell at me for a couple of weeks. And meanwhile, I better scramble around and try and figure out how to make it actually true, but it's not true. And that's an overt because I told him it was done when it wasn't done, but I had to do it because look at all the threat. You see, they're not even thinking quite that analytically. I'm, I'm just, I'm drawing the picture for you so you understand that you can apparently get results from threats. But the interesting thing is, and Hubbard covers this in uh, another article called Messiaen Management. We're not going over that today. I have touched on it in earlier episodes and I probably will do a lot more work on it. But it's interesting that the empire built by the chronically angry, let's take a look at the Third Reich, the German Nazi regime. Everything that's built by those who are in a chronic anger band ends up being destructive in the end. There's an apparency of expansion initially. Germany was doing fine. You know, it was expanding economically. It was recovering its position in the world, led by a guy who was chronically angry, and people being intimidated and scared to death and, you know, working their guts out because they're afraid of being hurt or threatened or punished, right? And, uh, but everything falls apart in the end. And you can see other examples, uh, much smaller than that example. You can see that example all around you. Think, you know, you can have the angry uh, parents who, you know, deal with their children uh, in anger and they all seem to behave themselves, but they're actually inwardly very, very rebellious, but they won't show it. And they're not thinking about the consequences of their actions. So there you have it in a bit of a microcosm. You know, that, you know, that's one of the reasons why that doesn't work. You know, to rule a household with anger isn't going to get you anywhere because then uh, people stop to think, you know, they have less and less ability to think into the future and predict any consequences. And they start doing things that have terrible consequences, but they're not looking that far. They're just looking at the immediate threats in their environment. So you can see this in large scenarios and small. All right. He goes on to say, man is basically good. When his level of awareness rises, he begins to be able to predict and see the consequences to himself or others of evil actions. The more he is freed and the higher his intelligence and ability rise, the more, quote, moral, end quote, he becomes. Only when he is beaten down below awareness as a chronic condition does man commit evil actions? It is not for nothing that soldiers have to be brutalized and stuck in the present by threat and duress to make them commit harmful actions. That's from Mr. Hubbard. So you get the mechanism of this. You know, the person uh, through threats and duress and punishment, their uh, awareness gets is less and less into the future, more and more into the present, and eventually slips into the past, and they can no longer predict consequences. And they will do evil things. So you can create, it doesn't may not be apparent right away, but you can create tremendous destruction in your company by using this threats and punishment as your main means of getting people to get things 
done, as opposed to more compassionate, interested type of uh, approaches, as we've been teaching and going over from Mr. Hubbard in the Business Wise podcast. So he wraps up the article by saying, true sanity is that condition wherein one is sufficiently intelligent to solve his problems without physical violence or destroying other beings and yet survive happily and prosperously. The road from insanity to sanity is a road of recognition of the world around one, the future and consequences of one's own actions. L. Ron Hubbard. Okay, so that's really what I wanted to cover with you was the mechanism, why punishment sometimes seems to serve on a short-term basis, but ends up being uh, destructive uh, to the group and, and or the family or the society, uh, ultimately. And uh, it can be overused. It can be badly used. So what should you use is probably subject for another episode, but I don't want to leave you without some tools. I'm actually going to refer you back to the episode I think we referred to uh, back in volume one. I think it's called Dealing with People. And in there, I go over an article from Mr. Hubbard called Model Hat for an Executive. And uh, that episode covers this more fully. And there's many other episodes on handling personnel correctly. uh, But that's a good one to start with. I'm going to wrap up today's podcast by reading you a few lines from that article, Model Hat for an Executive, uh, just to give you something to go with. I don't want to leave you with just, okay, here's a mechanism. Now what do you do? Um, being aware of it's going to help. But these this approach is going to help you as an alternative to threats and punishment. Okay, so here we go. First of all, in this article, he uh, recommends only working with the willing. He actually offers three categories of personnel, which are, one, the willing, Two, the defined negative. Three, the wholly shiftless, and they just won't produce. But he said the the ones you want to employ are the willing. The others just don't, why employ them, you know? He says, quote, the willing include the overbearing, the meek, the swift, the slow, the efficient, the worried. Threats and punishing regulations do not help them. Only hurt the innocent with the guilty. Tight scheduling insistence, reason, crispness, and ARC help them. Ron Hubbard, ARC stands for affinity, reality, and communication. So use those three things. Establish reality, establish agreement, use affinity, use communication, use reason, use insistence, use crispness. You will help them and they will produce for you. All right. It's not an easy road to hoe at all to be an executive. Uh, he says something beautiful here. It's one of my favorite quotes from Mr. Hubbard. And I'll just wrap up this episode with it. And this is again from Model Hat for an Executive. He says, quote, a quarter of a century of leadership in this life has taught me that the only underprivileged posts there are are posts of leadership. As one rises on the scale of authority, his flaws magnify and so does his power to hurt and destroy. It would take an archangel to be a perfect executive. Despite the trying nature of an executive post, it yet must be filled, and filled with understanding, intelligence, helpfulness, courage, and compassion. 
When a lack of these enter upon an organization's comm lines, that's uh, comm is short for communication. When a lack of these enter upon an organization's comm lines, the organization sickens and is gone, just as our world at large is doing. Ron Hubbard. Okay, so there you go. I thought you'd be interested in this mechanism, what it is, why it doesn't work to try and build an organization through threats and punishment, and at least a peek into what it does take. And we will build on that, of course, in future episodes. You can also review some of our past episodes and get your wits around what does it really take to build and administer a group. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. And I'll speak to you again next week.